So we are going to talk about several of the challenges that face bipolar disorder. I am uh, Chuck Raison. I am at the University of Wisconsin. Primarily, I'm being joined today by, by Clay Jackson, who's Director of Palliative Care at the West Cancer Center at University of Tennessee College of Medicine in Arlington, Tennessee, and by Vladimir Malatek, who's a clinical professor of psychiatry and behavioral science at the University of South Carolina School of Medicine in Greenville. Here are our disclosures. Here is the general disclosure. And here are our learning objectives. So, as I said, our interest today is really in trying to demonstrate for you in as close to a real-life setting as we can get what it's like to deal with people that have bipolar disorder and some of the challenges, thank you, and some of the challenges of recognizing it. So, in that spirit, um, I'm going to strip for you because I am going to be a patient. Um, thank God I do not in actuality, thank you, he's a full-service doctor, I do not in actuality have bipolar disorder, but we are going to try our best today. Unlike Chuck, I only have one suit of clothing on, so if I begin to strip, it's going to get very interesting very fast. When I'm not at the cancer center, I actually am a family physician in a rural county in Tennessee um, in a place called Atoka, which is 27 miles, 37 minutes, and 40 years north of Memphis. Um, so I am a family practiatrist. Um, my clinical appointment at the University of Tennessee is in the Department of Psychiatry and in the Department of Family Medicine. And so my duties involve uh, seeing patients in primary care, but we do a lot of mood disorder work uh, in our clinic and sort of had a quasi-reputation in the community of having done this uh, uh, before without harming too many folks. Uh, we do get referrals from uh, patients uh, and uh, clinicians within the community. So I want to tell you about Malcolm, who's standing stage right. Um, and he's 29, a uh, white male. He's had um, a sudden onset of major uh, depressive episode about four weeks ago. He really didn't know what caused it, um, but he said maybe it's just winter coming on. Uh, it was October. Um, he told me that he felt dead inside. Um, he had some psychomotor retardation. Uh, he just said everything just kind of slowed down for him. He had markedly decreased sleep. Um, he, he didn't want to eat. He was agitated and said his thoughts were speeding up a little bit. Um, he thought about, you know, he was so miserable in terms of his mood being low that um, it'd be better off if he were dead, but he didn't have any... Um, uh, his one plan was kind of he's going to crash his car, but he said, you know, I'm kind of scared about uh, what that would... You know, I might not be successful and wake up in an ICU, et cetera, et cetera. Now, Malcolm... He's had repeated depressive episodes. Uh, they began in high school. Um, they usually last two to four months. Uh, it's a long history of trouble with alcohol. Um, he actually underwent inpatient treatment when he was 26. Um, he says he drinks socially since then, um, which uh, when people tell me they drink socially, um, that typically means two-fifths instead of one, you know, four-fifths. Um, when he was just out of college, um, he was um, in a... Uh, job environment uh, where there's some high performers and they use cocaine, but that was limited. Um, he said, when I used cocaine, it was like my whole world was on just hyper speed. Um, he says, like the Millennium Falcon. Uh, I go for days at time, just hyper warp speed, ludicrous speed, like space balls, a million miles an hour. 
Um, he's had some anxiety even when not depressed. He had um, taken some antidepressants in the past. He mentioned uh, uh, a few, uh, fluoxetine, I think he had taken uh, sertraline, but he said that he really didn't know if they helped or not. Um, he said, I, I was drinking a lot, I, I was young, I, I didn't necessarily take them. Overall, medically healthy. Um, I asked him about his family because I'm a family doctor, and he said, you should see my house at Thanksgiving. It's amazing. They're all crazy. Uh, that's, that's what he says. Um, in his family, lots of cardiovascular disease and diabetes. That's not unusual in my area of the country. We're at the buckle of the Bible belt, and we keep expanding that belt uh, over, over and over. So he's a 29-year-old white male. He's got recurrent MDD, uh, alcohol use disorders, impartial remission, uh, potential treatment resistance, because he has had two antidepressants, but we're not sure that they were adequate dose and adequate duration because we don't know if he really adhered to treatment. Four weeks of uh, this current major depressive episode, he's seeking treatment because he's afraid he's going to lose his job uh, due to his symptoms, and uh, we're supposed to discuss uh, the options with the patient. So I started him on citalopram, 20 milligrams a day, because that was uh, first tier on his insurance, and we didn't have to do a prior auth form. And my nurse told me if she gets one more prior auth form this week, I'm going to need a prior auth form. Um, I said it'd be a really good idea while you're on this AD if you went to AA. And so he said, okay. So that was three initials, six initials in one sentence. And then um, he comes back for his two-week follow-up, and that's what you're going to see now as I, um, as I see Malcolm. So 12 days after the last visit, I got a call from his wife, and uh, she said, um, you got to do something with Malcolm. Or, or I'm coming up there. I've never seen him like this. He hasn't slept in days. Um, he's shouting and crying. Um, and he's either going to kill himself or he's going to rule the world. And so I told my nurse, who uh, was not working with PA, let's get Malcolm in. So here we are. Hey. hey. Oh, man, I'm glad to see you. Oh, God, you're new. Who is that new receptor? Oh, she is Good-looking, man. I cannot believe... Is she married? Um, I just, you know... Malcolm, I... I don't, I don't think her marriage status is important for your visit, so... Let, well, let, I'm, oh, I'm glad to see you, man. How are you doing? I, I'm doing good. I'm okay, doing good. good. Excellent, excellent. I'm, oh, I'm, man, I've been really doing pretty well. I tell you, I was feeling really down, but I feel a lot better now. I feel so much better, I really can't believe it. I am... I've been... You know, I've realized so many things that are wrong with my life that I just really... I... I, I listen, I'm just telling you... I, I, I finally understand, man, and I just, I just, I just, I, I, I really, 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 I, I want you to know that, okay? I, it's, it's just, look, it's, it's really important to me that you know that, okay? Okay, right, I, okay. I got it. All right. Okay. I got it. All right, all right. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I, because I just, I really, you know, it's just, things have opened up to me in ways I never understood before. I cannot believe the way the world is interconnected with each other. It's just like, oh my God, the, you know, I've been drinking, I was drinking, and I said, wow, this slows me down a little bit, and that kind of helped me. It's really, I, it's really hard to explain, but I just... You know what I'm saying, right? Um, yeah. I, you're... Susie called and she was pretty worried about you. Susie. And she, oh, yes, yes, yes. She uh, said that you hadn't... She, she does not understand. All right, look, that woman does not understand what's wrong with me. I've been trying to tell her for two effing years what's wrong with me. She won't listen. I'm just saying she won't listen, okay? Okay. I'm trying to understand what's wrong with you, too, Malcolm. All right. So I, 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 let's... Okay, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, hey, I'm sorry, man. I got you. We're, right. We know each other. I'm here yeah, for you. I, I, know. I love you, man. I, 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 I love you too, Mal. I'm, I'm really, 
really concerned. <laughs> but your clothes are everywhere in my office, Malcolm. That's what's really bothering me right now, if you really want to know. <laughs> my God, Malcolm. My countertransference right now is so high. I, listen, Susie really cares about you. She's worried about you because she said that, that you've not been sleeping and you've been yelling a lot at home, but you've been crying too and things are bad. I, what's, what's, tell me what's happening. I, I don't know. I just, man, I, I just, I've never felt, well, I did feel like this once before, but I was always doing cocaine. The amazing thing is I have not been doing cocaine this time. This, this is just like this nat, I, but you're on the citalopram, and you've been taking that. I, I was taking it, yeah. Did this start when you started taking that? Uh, no, no. I'd taken it for about five days before this started. Okay. How long has it been since you slept? Oh. Hmm. Uh, th- two, three days. Three days, yeah. I, uh, okay. But I have gotten a lot done. I mean, that's the point, right? That's where I disagree with Susie, all right? I have gotten so much. I have never had this... So, this is beautiful, except, it, yeah, yeah. I'm a little worried about how pretty this is because, you know, do, do you notice that you're talking kind of fast? Uh, a little bit, yeah, no. And you've been crying, but you've been yelling. Uh, a little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this has been going on for 12 days. More or less, yeah. You haven't slept. No, 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 and I'm not tired, though. That, this thing, I am not tired. Do you feel angry sometimes? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of jerks. Uh, th- yes, yes, yes. Do you have an increased interest in sexuality or higher energy? Yeah, I, I, I've been fooling around a little bit, but don't. Not Susie. No. Not my receptionist. No. <laughs> Okay, Malcolm. Listen, I I really care about you, and and uh, all right, it's cool. I care about you. I'm worried about you. I'm concerned yeah. because I'm concerned that maybe the medications have an effect that we don't want it to have. Because you know, your mood was down, and we wanted it to be up. Those are happy. great. Hey, I love those shoes. Those shoes are so cool. I agree. Thank you. Yeah. Your mood, your mood was down. We got it up here, but now I think it's too high. I think you have too much energy right now, and I think the medicine may have done that. Okay. And I, I'm, I'm a little worried about that. Okay. So, um, can we make a deal? Can you, can you stay right here? Because I need to step out and make a phone call. Okay, man. But but hurry up because I want to talk to your that secretary. Okay. Okay. She. I could, I, I could go there while you do the... I'll make you a deal. Okay. You'll get to say bye to her when you leave the office today. Okay. If you'll just stay put. All right, I'm going to sit right here. Okay? Good. Keep your clothes on. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> Where, hey, Nancy, who is that, who is that psychiatrist that they said... Um, we could consult in an emergency. Malapropis, 
Malthus, 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 Malatic, Malatic. Yes, this is Dr. Malatic's office? Yeah, this, this is Jackson, yeah, the country doctor, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm really sorry. I, I know. Yes, I'll hold. Hey, um, I really need to talk to him. Vlad, Dr. Malatic. Dr. Yes, Malatic. yes, Dr. Jackson. Hey, uh, hey, this is this is Clay Jackson. Um, yeah, the the guy from 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 Atoka. I, yeah, um, I recognize your voice. Yeah, yeah. we have talked a couple of times. I'm. Uh, I think I may have really messed up. What happened? What? I, I got a guy here. Uh, he's 29 years old. I've, he's got a major depressive episode, and uh, I, I put him I put him on an antidepressant. But he's here today, and he seems like really agitated. Like I, I think he might be psychotic. Uh, actually, he. Um, he touched my knee. Um, he's, he tried to kiss my receptionist. He hasn't slept in like seven days. And uh, his wife says he's yelling and crying at the house. And, uh, you know, he's, he's done this before, but he'd only been taking cocaine then. This, that's been years ago. And now he's, he's like, it, it, he's honestly kind of scared me. Yeah, it, it sounds that there, like there may be something more going on than just depression. Um, here I have a couple of thoughts. Uh, number one, is there a safe way to get him to the hospital? Because uh, I, I think we really need to evaluate him for potentially Can, for inpatient admission. Could, could you guys take him if, 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 if he'll agree to come to the hospital or if his wife will transport him? Uh, I, I don't think he's a physical danger. Yeah, he's a nice guy. And, and yeah, given the scenario that you're just describing, I've, I've heard very little. But uh, I have really concerns about his safety. So it would be good if uh, I will leave this to you, either his wife or ambulance, if you feel that uh, she would not be safe with him, would bring him to the hospital, and uh, we'll try uh, to take good care of him. Okay, I, I, I really appreciate that. And then, and then um, the, the other thing is, like, I just wonder, like, I, I'm afraid, I mean, this, this guy looks bipolar, and I, I wonder, I, I know you're an expert, is there... Did I screw up with an antidepressant? Do you have anything that, like, maybe if I could, if I missed this or something, do you have any, like, educational materials or something I could, I, I don't want to do this again. You know, it's, it's really interesting that you're bringing this up because uh, uh, our hospital will have grand rounds next month, and I've been working on putting together a presentation on differential diagnosis of mood disorders. And uh, maybe what we can do... Uh, um, I'm sorry if, you know, I don't want pre to presume on your time, but what I can do is maybe email you this presentation. Uh, take a look at it and see if it can be of any use to you. Oh, man, that would be... Do, do you have a second now? That would be, that would be awesome. That would okay. be really helpful because, uh, honestly, I'm... First of all, I've got to take care of Malcolm today, and I really appreciate you taking it, but I... Um, Just remind me of your email. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot it to you right now. Yeah, uh, countrydocsaren'tlonely.com. <laughs> I'm not going to forget this. I really, I'm not. I really, I really appreciate it. Okay, I'll, hey, send, I'll send it to you as soon as doc, I stop Dr. laughing. Melchick, I, I got to get with Malcolm because I hear him stirring around oh, back oh, here. Okay, so. you take care of Malcolm. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm going to send gonna be this down, presentation. We'll have him down there in about an hour by okay. the vehicle of ambulance. Okay? Look forward to seeing you. Here's okay. the presentation okay. coming. Malcolm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Listen, 
How much do you trust me? Uh, I, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You do? Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, I really care about you. I'm, I'm concerned about your safety today. Now, this may seem like it's coming out of left field, but um, your symptoms today, I think, that, I think that it would be better if we could get you some specialized treatment. I think you're beyond my level of expertise right now today. Okay, what, what are we going to do? I think it would be good if you could see a friend of mine who's a psychiatrist down in Memphis, and he um, is willing to take you into his inpatient treatment today. You ever been, to Stack, you ever been to Stack Studio? That place is awesome. You go there, you see Elvis, you see Johnny Cash. Those guys played together, man. That's what we want to do here today. Okay, we want to play together. Can we go to Stacks? I promise you, if you'll go see okay. my friend, Dr. Malatik, he's a, he, he's a trusted colleague. All right. Um, All right, you're talking too slow, man. Let's go. Okay. I like Memphis. That is a good, that's a good town, man. Okay. Will you be okay to go with Susie, or do you think that we should, I, you know, I really feel like the best thing to do is, let's do lights and sirens. Let's get you in an ambulance. Cool. You want to ride in an ambulance? I do. I do. Okay. All right, great. Good. Cool. Okay. All right, good. Good. I, I, good. You stay here. I'm going to make another phone call. Nine, one, one. Okay. Dr. Melitic? Uh, yes, Dr. Jackson. Hey, um, this is, it's, it's Friday. It's, a, it's our noon time talk. I, I really appreciate it. I, they told me that as part of the integrated healthcare system that you're paid to talk to me for an hour a week for my tough cases? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love you, Dr. Malatik. <laughs> it's mutual, Dr. Jackson. Uh, it's the beginning of a wonderful relationship. I, I, got, your, um, I got your slide set. Uh, how's, how's Malcolm doing? I'm, I was really worried about him. You know, Malcolm's actually doing much better. Uh, awesome. It took us a little while to, to uh, stabilize him in, in beginning. He was really opposed to any kind of new medications. He, he trusted you so much that uh, he was reluctant to accept treatment, but uh, uh, now he's doing better. You know, he has really calmed down, and you know, we can now reason with him. Yeah, thank God Susie called, because I'm not sure what would have happened there if he had just been left a wild type. So I... Um, I really appreciate you sending the presentation. I looked at it, and uh, I think I understand it. But I, I've, I've actually got it pulled up here. Do you have a few? Do you have a few minutes? I, oh, oh like, absolutely. To, to go through it because I, I'd like to talk about some of the things that that were in there because I, I think I, I think I get it, and I, I think I'm seeing a few things that that probably I I might sh should have done a little different. So I was interested. Um, your first slide that talked about, um, you know, misdiagnosis is is pretty common. I, I, uh, I was reassured by that because um, this kind of shows maybe that, uh, that I'm not alone and uh, it looks like the most common misdiagnosis is what I thought. Um, I, I didn't know to call this unipolar depression. I just always call it depression and I thought all depression was the same, but it, it looks like from, from my experience in your talk, that's not true. Uh, no, not at all, Clay. And, and frankly, uh, we have missed it so many times. You, you know, don't, don't feel bad about not getting the right diagnosis because uh, bipolar patients most of the time do present in depressive state and it's a very easy mistake to make. And as you can see uh, on this slide, there are several points there that coincides with the notes uh, about Malcolm that you have sent us. So 
uh, he has had a history of substance abuse. That can sometimes be in the forefront. He has also had some issues with the anxiety. So, uh, you know, in many ways, uh, what, what you did makes a lot of sense. The only thing that uh, uh, one may add to the process that you have used is always, when seeing a major depressive episode, to remember that it is part of major depressive disorder, but also bipolar. So I need to, so when I see a major depressive episode, a major depressive episode from bipolar disease and from unipolar disease identical. can kind of look the same. Identical. I got to rule out bipolar each time. Indeed, each time. Before one reaches for the path to write that first antidepressant, we need to be certain that it's not bipolar. And you know, and, and one other thing that, that you have brought up, I was looking at your last note. Uh, you said uh, he had a bit of pressured speech and racing thoughts, and his uh, thoughts were not very well organized. And then you mentioned that he had not slept for, for days uh, and still had enough energy, so decreased need for sleep. Uh, one thing that would be good to focus on, patients who are depressed, who have more symptoms of elevated mood, in the long run have much higher risk of conversion to bipolar diagnosis. Gotcha. gotcha. So, you know, sometimes in the beginning, the disease doesn't fully declare itself. So gotcha. these are some of the things uh, to really focus on. So some of those subtle clues that, you know, he, he, he did. He, he told me that he had some, his thoughts were going fast, but I just didn't, uh, I just didn't appreciate that. And that's, that's shown from the study that, that, that you've got here on, 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 your, on your slide. Well, and then, you know, he's, he's 29 now, but he's had a number of depressive episodes, and he had some before age 25. Um, this study looks like that the younger the symptoms have in terms of onset, in terms of the MDE, that they're more likely to be bipolar than, than, than unipolar. Absolutely. So if their first depressive episode is in their teenage years, the odds that it will eventually be associated with bipolar disorder are two to one. Wow. So two-thirds of teenage onset depressive episodes eventually become attached to bipolar disorder. Versus so this is, a, this is a young guy who had pressure speech, so... And, and he had failed two antidepressants before, so I probably should have thought probably should have thought about that. Yeah. And he, you know, he had a loaded family history. I, you know, in my view, as a family doc, I, I know this guy's family, and I should have knew, known something was up. He wasn't going to be simple. And when you said family history, uh, how closely related was he to individuals? These are these are primary relatives. He's got two sisters uh, that have. One of them is actually out of my practice because of benzodiazepine abuse. Uh-huh. Um, another um, has had an inpatient admission. Um, the family just told me nervous breakdown. She's not my patient. Um, and the mom, I actually treat the mom, uh, and, and, and she's had depression for years. So, you know, if, if he has first and secondary relatives with bipolar disorder, that increases uh, likelihood of him being bipolar about 300 to 500%. Uh, you know, so, it, yeah. Somebody told me one time, Dr. Uh, Dr. Meltek, that bipolar disorder is one of the most heritable uh, mental health disorders. Is that true? Uh, aside from ADHD, it is, as far as we know, the most heritable. And about uh, uh, 70% of bipolar etiology is uh, genetically based, is inherited. So very, very heritable. So if I, see, if I see a loaded family history, then I need to be looking, right? The, Absolutely. The ap- apple, apples and trees, right? They don't fall. They don't fall, yeah. And, and it seems this one fell right under the tree. I think it hit me on the head, Vlad. Um, This slide confused me a little bit. Um, The the features that, you know, 
I, I don't want to miss this again. You said it's, it's common to miss. So um, psychosis, yeah, I don't think I'm going to miss it. Family history, we talked about that. More mixed symptoms, that, that uh, agitated stuff, the pressured speech, the, the lack of sleep. But, you know, insomnia is a, is a depression thing, too, for major depression. So how do you differentiate from insomnia of major depression from insomnia from bipolar disorder? Uh, you know, uh, we need to differentiate insomnia for decreased need for sleep. Uh, because if they have major depressive disorder and insomnia, they may feel drowsy, sleepy throughout the day. Okay. Have hard time making it through the day without taking a nap. Uh, from what I heard, Malcolm had plenty of energy. He seemed quite animated in your office. Uh, uh, you know, hearing the background noises and there was some mention. He of, tried to of kiss my receptionist. Remember that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he didn't sound very sleepy to me. So yeah. he. So it's it's. It's not just they miss sleep, but with bipolar, they don't, they don't need it. They, they, they don't. They, that's right. They don't need sleep. That's okay. right. Teenage yeah. years, okay. And then he, he did say, and I, I missed this, he said it happened suddenly. Um, he, he, he didn't slide into this depression. He, he fell into it. Um, yeah. And then he had, this was his third episode. And then, of course, you know, I, I gave him an antidepressant misadventure. Gosh, okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. This was the, the, the citalopram from hell. Um, now this one, this shows like people are well and then they have anxiety first and anxiety is common, uh, distractibility, poor progression. And they may have a major depressive episode first and then the bipolar spectrum sometimes declares itself. Is that, you know, you're is, absolutely Is this right. kind of like a, a chronology, a, a natural history of bipolar? Would you by any chance know if, uh, I don't know how far into Malcolm's past you delve, but... Uh, is there any history that as a child uh, he was either treated for ADHD or saw a pediatrician for treatment of ADHD? Did he have any problems with sleep, anxiety? He came to me as a teenager and he had anxiety even then. Yeah. But he, I know he'd had some poor school performance, but this was before the, the sort of stimulant rage. And so I don't know if he was, if he was treated or not. But he didn't have um, he didn't have good school performance. He's actually held back a grade when he was four, and in fourth grade. You know grade. that that is it's 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 good that you're pointing that out because that is one of the early signs uh, yeah, during a, a middle school or high school. There tends to be a significant drop off in school performance. In okay. addition to that, very often parents will uh, complain that they're moody and, and isolating themselves from the families. Ah, so it's not just of school performance there's a mood component overlay with the cognitive and behavioral changes. Absolutely. Okay, okay. Absolutely. All right. So at least we got him diagnosed. I mean, this guy, he's been depressed on, off and on for six years. Is that usual or am I the dumbest doctor in America? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, in terms of how uh, much time transpires between the onset of symptoms and diagnosis, one of the older studies suggested that about a third of bipolar patients go by, go on for over 10 years without the correct diagnosis. Wow. This more recent study, uh, you know, I, I think I know which slide you're looking at, uh, is uh, even more shocking. It appears that uh, delay until uh, proper diagnosis is not uncommonly two decades. Two decades. And that is associated not only with more pronounced uh, symptomatology, greater morbidity, but a lot of suffering, quality of life. It sounds like Susie's a saint that she's putting up uh, based on, on what you have shared with me. And uh, I'm not surprised that he uh, is, is barely hanging on to his job. 
that all may be a consequence of delayed diagnosis. But again, no, the scenario that you have gone through is not uncommon. That's a typical scenario. I, I heard a lecture one time of this, this guy. He, he came through Memphis. He may have been bipolar himself. His name is Akiskel. He said three doctors, three antidepressants, a three-inch chart, or three wives, or three jobs. So I, I don't know. You know yeah. maybe, maybe he was right. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, so we really, you know, I don't know what they're paying you for this call, but it's not enough. I really, I really appreciate you uh, reaching out. Um, is there, um, so you guys, you've got, you got him stabilized now. I kind of like to learn a little bit more about, um, you know, uh, about the treatment. I, I was, I felt a little more comfortable in your deck when we talked about comorbidities, though, because this is stuff that I, it looks scary from a psychiatric standpoint. I, I didn't, but the medical stuff I, I related to. Now, now this, this slide was scary where we talked about multiple psychiatric comorbidities. I mean, they don't pay enough. How do you figure this out? Because there's so much anxiety disorder. There's, there's the... I know we're not supposed to say access to anymore, but there's personality disorders. And then the substance use disorder, you know, he's had alcohol use disorder. He had a history of cocaine. Um, it's a pretty complex disease. It really is. And comorbidities uh, are not an exception with bipolar. If, if, it sounds like they're the rule. That's the rule. That's the rule. And the one that I would uh, really pay attention, especially given uh, Malcolm's history, is substance use. Gotcha. He's experimented with cocaine. He's been using alcohol. Uh, bipolar disorder has more comorbid substance abuse than any other psychiatric condition. And you see him more than I do. So uh, I, I would ask you, please pay attention to uh, any signs that would be suspicious of recurring substance abuse because that will really influence the course of his illness. Okay. And then is, is the thing of self-medication true? I mean cocaine to get up and alcohol to get down? I mean, is that... There is a lot of truth to that theory because especially if the patient is in treatment and not treatment adherent. I got you. Uh, and sometimes they will say that uh, uh, their medicines, uh, I'm talking about of the herbal kind that can be smoked, oh, work better yeah, than yeah, the ones oh. that we prescribe. So, yes, uh, it, it is a common patient's perception. I uh, the, I, these natural remedies may have advantage. Hand to my heart, Vlad. If I had a 55-gallon drum of CBD oil outside my practice, they'd drink it dry. <laughs> um, this one intrigued me because, um, you know, he's got a family history that's loaded, not only with mental health disorder, but with cardiovascular disorder and uh, diabetes and that kind of stuff. And I was kind of wondering, I mean, Honestly, it looks like some of this stuff has to be associated with inflammation because you got these blue circles are all the psych side, but I see the tan circles all the time. I see the CV stuff. They're all overweight, you know, yeah. and, 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 and diabetes is common. Chronic pain, the back, the failed back syndrome. I see this patient all the time, and, and, and it looks like medical comorbidity is pretty common with bipolar disorder. You know, you're absolutely right, and indeed there is a, a lot of reason to believe that inflammatory response is dysregulated in bipolar patients. Um, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, very, very good research supporting that. Uh, it's that particularly, I, it's not Malcolm's case, and I don't want to uh, take up too much of your time, but when it comes to migraines, uh, one of the recent studies has found that 
bipolar women uh, have comorbid migraines about 70% of the time. Okay. So uh, definitely one of the more prominent uh, comorbidities. And, you know, I would also seek your help, Clay, because we have a lot of patients in our practice. Uh, we're terribly busy, don't need, have enough time uh, to pay attention uh, to cardiometabolic derangements, but uh, it's rare to find a bipolar patient where there are no cardiometabolic issues or weight gain. So Listen. if you could help us out, we'll, we'll, we'll send some folks your way. Man, um, if, if they want to, I, I'd open up an afternoon clinic and see your guys uh, if we need to do that. Yeah. I've got a great nurse practitioner who's also good at uh, metabolic syndrome. Yeah. Um, I know some of the agents that you guys use can cause some problems. Um, Indeed. You've helped me with my, Malcolm. I'll, I'll be happy to help you with, uh, with, with any of your you guys. Know, and some of it is our medicines, uh, but there are also studies looking at bipolar disorder where they have found uh, dysregulation of insulin receptor sensitivity even in treatment named bipolar disorder patients. So wow. it, it seems that the disease itself is a risk and that treatment can be an added layer. You know, I never would have known that from the medical legal billboards Yeah, no. on the side of the road. That's amazing. Um, it looks like anxiety drives people back into symptoms. Uh, uh, into ep- full-blown episodes. Yeah, yes, indeed, it does. So the more anxiety there is, the, the shorter the period of, of doing well, of euthymia. So okay. it's something that, uh, you know, as you see, Malcolm, again, you'll have more frequent visits. Aside from symptoms of substance use, uh, 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 please note, uh, I, I appreciate you sending me your notes. If you notice any anxiety symptoms, they can be troubling. So I got to watch out for recurrence of substance abuse, and I got to watch out for anxiety. I'm on the slide now that shows um, high prevalence of substance abuse, and we talked about Malcolm had some problems with that. I'm, I'm going to be watching out for that. But you know, do you think he? He seems to me like he's bipolar one. He's not bipolar two, right? Yeah. Based on what transpired in your office uh, when you gave me that first phone call, I would say definitely bipolar one. Okay. We, we have seen mania when when he was in the hospital with us. Yeah, he scared everybody to be honest. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, they, they told me if, it, if the postman can diagnose this, it's bipolar 1, right? That's, okay. So I'm, I'm now qualified to be a postman. I appreciate that. Um, is it more common that they use substances in bipolar 1 than bipolar 2? Uh, much more common that they use substances in bipolar 1, yes. So, uh, yeah, I, unfortunately, his condition and uh, early substance abuse, all those are predictors that it, he is at high risk in the future. And frankly, something that we really have to be worried, uh, comorbid substance abuse is one of the strongest indicators of treatment non-adherence. I was really, I was actually kind of surprised by this one because of the low incidence of opioid use. Because, I mean, we sit, hear so much about the opioid disorder, and I'm on the front lines of that uh, yeah. in a rural county in, in, in Tennessee. But um, I, I did notice these studies were a little older, and so... Uh, alcohol was the big offender here and then and in lots of weed so uh, it's alcohol and cannabis and sometimes stimulants when the, uh, patients are in depressed mood but those are the, the popular ones those are one and two I got you um, and it looks like this was this was actually really surprising to me that that women their risk goes up much more so in bipolar for alcohol use than men. Is that just because men drink anyway? Uh, th- that is right. That is compared to the baseline risk. So okay. baseline risk of alcoholism in women is lower than in males, and therefore the increase is uh, uh, much more impressive. So this is a relative risk slide. Not that is the relative risk, risk. Okay. Okay. absolutely. Okay. Thank God for statistics class. Yeah. Um, 
And then just you mentioned the migraine. I, I was a little surprised by asthma. Maybe that's the inflammatory thing. Um, and then the, the chronic fatigue syndrome. That, that, that was a little you, you know, it's really interesting looking at medical comorbidities aside from cardiometabolic issues. Uh, respiratory illness uh, appears to be uncommonly uh, uh, comorbid with bipolar disorder. And again, as far as the migraines, this is very conservative uh, statistic. I think it's probably diluted by uh, presence of male patients. In, in women, it is much, much more pronounced. Is McIntyre that Canadian guy with the cool hair? That is, that is he, the, oh, the, okay, ex, okay. the yeah. ex-hockey player. I, I saw him, on, I saw him on, a, yeah. on one of my online CME one night. Yeah, yeah, that's him. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then this, I thought people with bipolar disease die from suicide, but it looks like more of them die of heart attack. You know, in terms of so-called excessive causes of death, large, large studies all point in the same direction. If we have to watch out for one thing, we always ask about suicidal ideation, but it's going to be cardiometabolic derangements that are going to kill them more likely than suicide. So I need you to help me keep the guys from, from killing themselves, and you need me to help I, the guys not to die from the heart attack. I, I, li- I like that co- collaboration and, and job division, absolutely. Awesome, awesome. Well, um, that that sounds awesome. I I, um, I really um, I really appreciate that. And then, if in terms of um, in terms of the antidepressant here, did did I really screw this up really badly? It feels like I did. You know, it's we all feel so guilty that we mess up with antidepressant. The problem is not that you used antidepressant. The problem is that we didn't know that he was bipolar and he wasn't a mood stabilizer. A and mood stabilizer. Yeah, okay. so long as we have somebody on a mood stabilizer, uh, odds are that antidepressants uh, may not help a whole lot, but are also not going to do a lot of harm in terms of precipitating uh, these so-called syndromal switches. Okay. So, uh, again, not much benefit, not much harm, except in subpopulation of patients. And frankly, we have no way of knowing ahead of time. But there is a subpopulation of bipolar patients who actually clearly benefit so from add, antidepressant and get worse when we stop antidepressants. Adding, adding the antidepressant to the mood stabilizer might not help, but the problem with Malcolm was I didn't know he was bipolar and I didn't have him on a mood stabilizer, and I started with the antidepressant. I led with the wrong agent. That's what you're saying? That, that is the problem. The, the problem diagnosis. is in sequence. Right. Uh, and, and sometimes, again, I would not exclude the use of antidepressants. Sometimes they can be helpful. As a matter of fact, which antidepressant one uses is associated with risk of switching. Yeah, so, I, yeah. This was weird because he was on an SSRI. He wasn't on an SNRI, but he, he switched anyway. So, you know, if we look at the, the agents that are most likely to trip, switch into hypomania or mania, uh, Fortunately, we don't use these often to, uh, anymore, but tricyclics, monoamine oxidase inhibitors have the higher psychiatrist stress. The risk is about 20%. Amitriptyline. Indeed, uh, indeed. The, okay. Amipramine, uh, agents like that. Uh, yeah, modern, more modern SNRIs, the risk is about 15 to 20% range. Uh, SSRIs, it's usually uh, 5 to 10%. And uh, amongst all the antidepressants, bupropion seems to be associated with the least risk. So okay. in short-term studies, if there's going to be uh, a change, it'll be subthreshold symptoms. And even in the studies that went on for a year, it was only a few percentage points. So okay. uh, there is a little bit of differential risks. And as, uh, as, as you can see, the risk is much higher with antidepressant-induced switch 
if one is bipolar one versus bipolar so if, he, two. if he'd have been bipolar two uh, he, it might he, not have been he, as dramatic he might have skated by for a while yeah um, yeah. yeah but the but because he was bipolar one and because i didn't have on a mood stabilizer uh, the only thing i could have done worse is have on an snri yes that's that's i think what brought him down the road all right and then this really scared me though because if, he, if his wife hadn't called, this could have ended badly. Well, you said that he was thinking about driving his car into the curb. So, yeah. uh, indeed, uh, using mood stabilizer combined with antidepressant uh, will cut down uh, a risk of suicide. And this is not ideation. This is, a, this is actually attempts, right? I mean, this is attempts. Yeah. So, it cuts them in half if you yeah. have them on a mood stabilizer. Mood st- okay, I got it. Bipolar. Anybody's depressed, I got to rule out bipolar. If they're bipolar, I gotta have them on a mood stabilizer. Watch for signs of substance use and anxiety, and then uh, you know we, we will, uh, you know, with your help, we will mon- monitor his cardiometabolic status. Well, listen, I, I hope he does well. I, I know it's it's twelve fifty nine. I know you're up against patients, and I am too. But I, um, I've used up my dime here on the on the integrated call. But I, hey, listen, this means a lot to me. And I'll, I'll probably talk to you next Friday. Um, do okay. you have anything on like? Um, uh, on treatment, because I'd like to learn more about these mood stabilizers. I don't know enough about them, obviously, and um, you know, I, I need to get beyond citalopram. So. You know, it's it's interesting uh, because uh, your hospital, after the grand rounds last time, invited me to do one on treatment. So I do have some material on treatment, and I'll send it your way. Okay. Hey, appreciate it, Dr. Maltek. You have a great afternoon. Uh, t- uh, take care. Talk Thanks. to you next Friday. We'll talk soon. Bye bye. So uh, Malcolm went into the hospital. Uh, uh, Vlad took care of him. He was started on an atypical antipsychotic. His manic symptoms improved, but unfortunately his insights stayed poor. 29 and his three country music songs away from the truth. Um, he, he discontinued his treatment um, after leaving the mental health hospital. We went through a year and a half of repeated hospitalizations for manic and depressive episodes. Um, he had repeated admissions because now that we had sort of gone through the process, he and Susie knew what to look for. So it wasn't as dramatic in getting him in. And so it was a kinder, gentler admission, but still he had to be admitted. Unfortunately, he had two suicide attempts. Fortunately, those were um, not completed suicide attempts. And so um, Malcolm comes in uh, for, for uh, a follow-up visit. Um, I, I switched to an EHR, Malcolm, so I got to do this computer thing. So I don't want this to distract you. I'm sorry about that. But uh, I, I really right. want to check on you and see, see how things are going, man. Oh, man. Uh, thanks for seeing me, man. I, I don't know. It just... You know, I, I hate to say it, but I kind of wish I'd never met you. Things have... Things, you know, well, I don't need to tell you. It's been really hard for me, you know. I mean, I uh, I don't know. You, you put me into medicine and, you know, I don't, I don't know what happened that first time I came in your office. You know, people, people say different things about it than I feel myself. And I don't know, I, I just don't like this stuff. And, you know, I mean, I... Uh, I mean, maybe one thing that's a little better. When I first saw you, I, I, I was kind of obviously lying about the drinking. I, I've been trying, but, you know, it's, um, you know, I'd kind of built a whole lot of my life in the bars and stuff. And, 
Yeah. So I had the, you know, like every couple of weeks I, I, I kind of go on a bender, but I've managed to kind of stay out, but I've lost a lot of my friends. And the hardest thing is that, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Susie finally left me. Man, I'm so, yeah. yeah. I'm really sorry. Um, we're not going to leave you. And I know this has been hell on wheels the last year and a half. I want you to know something. You're going to get better. And I don't know how long it'll take. And I don't know, you know, some medicines have worked for you and some have not. Yeah. But you're going to get better. And, uh, you know, I still stay in touch with, with Dr. M. And we talk. And yeah, he's, he's, good, he's, he's helping good, me. He's a good guy. And so even though you're not in the hospital, I'm connected to him through our healthcare system. And he's helping me understand how to treat you better. I, I wanted to ask you, though, you talked about the meds not working and there's some drinking and stuff. Are you taking the meds? Yeah. Yeah. What does that mean? Are you taking them every day on time? Last week, how, did you miss any doses? Let's see. Yeah. I probably missed maybe three, maybe four. I don't know. Ooh. Well, and since Susie left, man, I, I don't know. It's been hard. So that's less than half. Yeah, time. because, you know, she was, she was always after me. Are you going to the therapist? No, remember, we couldn't get insurance coverage for her. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. And I don't have anybody in-house. I wish I did. Um, we... We really, really uh, need to get you on the medicine and have you taken it. Every, I mean, if it's not in your body, it's not going to do your brain any good, right? Yeah. I, I get it that, you know, you, you... Well, can you, you know, that Dr. M guy knows, like, everything in the universe pretty much, right? I've heard so. Yeah. It's kind of like a walking encyclopedia. Yeah. It's disgusting. Um, maybe can you? Why don't you ask him what to do? I don't know. I'm going to talk with him tomorrow. Okay. I'm going to talk with him tomorrow. We we actually have a standing appointment on Friday at noon. So I'm okay. I'm going to, I'm going to have a word with him, and if we can figure out something, would you be interested in? They make these medicines that are like, um, uh, I know in medical school they told us about shots that they can give that just last all the time. If we could get one of those, what about that? Well, talk to him and see what you think. Okay. We can talk about it next time I come in, maybe, or something. You're going to come back and see me in, in two weeks. Listen, no matter what, I, it's 3 in the morning. You call 911 if you're in trouble. You call the office. It goes to my cell. You know you can get in touch with us. I don't want you to try to do something bad yourself. All right. I know this is tough, but you're going to get through this, okay? All right. Okay. You, you're going to call me, right? Yeah. You, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll call you. It's going to be Thanks. all right. Thanks, man. Hey, Vlad, it's Clay. Hi, Clay. Uh, how are things going, Clay? Well, you know, I saw Malcolm, uh, actually saw him yesterday, um, and uh, I, I really appreciated your slide deck that you, that you gave me about the, the, the treatment. Um, my problem is right now, man, his wife left, he's lost his job, um, so the functional impairment thing, man, it's, it's, it's happening right now. He's not manic anymore. He's depressed, and he's actually not taking his, he's not taking his meds. Like, he missed, he missed more than half his doses the last week. So, you know, I wanted to talk to you about, you know, kind of where he is and, and, and maybe what we could do about that. And, 
it sounds like that the, the functional impairment is, is pretty common. And uh, Clay, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at your notes on my laptop. Uh, it sounds like uh, he has tried stopping drinking, but unfortunately uh, that led to him um, interrupting some of his social relationships in the past. Now, I wouldn't say that his drinking buddies were, were actually the best possible company for him, but it was a social circle. Unfortunately, he, unfortunately yeah. his people in his life were Budweiser and Slits. Yeah, so, so I, I, indeed, uh, uh, bipolar disorder uh, very commonly is associated with problems in marriage, problems in social relationships, and it seems that uh, it's no exception uh, when it comes to uh, uh, when it comes to Malcolm. But uh, uh, I, reading your notes, it looks like he is mildly depressed. Uh, uh, w- w- what are your thoughts? I'd, I'd say moderate. We we did a moderately PH, depressed. We did a PHQ nine. His score where, where was, 16, was he? Sixteen. Okay. Oh, I see it. Yeah. Yeah, so, so he, he's moderately depressed, and uh, unfortunately, you know, not that we're choosing favorites in bipolar, and not, not that I'm saying that it's better to have mania than depression, but uh, from the functional perspective, actually, depression is almost twice as impairing. Yeah, so the, the manic stuff that he did a year and a half ago scared the mess out of me. Yeah. But honestly, it looks like the depression right now is actually doing more damage to his life. It, you know, it's, this, it's really is, bad. this is a big problem. And how are things at, at work? Has he managed to keep his job? No, he, he lost his job, remember. And, 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 and Su- Susie left this week. Um, and so... So it's snowballing on him, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, un- unfortunately... Uh, you know, th- th- this, is, this is also my fault. I guess uh, last appointment that we had, I didn't pick up on these low-grade uh, depressive symptoms. I don't know if they were there at that time, but I definitely didn't pick up on them. When he was uh, in the hospital? Yeah, he- well, uh, we saw him on outpatient basis for one follow-up. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, and uh, it, unfortunately, it seems that even these subclinical symptoms are associated with significant impairment in social and occupational functioning. That's really so, odd. He he presented he presented depressed to me, and I missed the subtle mania. And he presented manic to you, and you missed the subtle depression. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we unfortunately together we'd make a great doctor, Vlad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you, you know, you know I, I really appreciate you showing me how we can treat him and kind of what you're doing. It. Um, I, I saw a couple of the uh, of the meds he came out on. Um, and he's, he's just, um, you know, it looks like a lot of this stuff works, but uh, he, he hasn't been, been taking it well. Uh, this drug is an OFC. Is that, is that a Fluox with, uh, is that Olanzapine? Yes, and you know, uh, full disclosure of the things that we may have messed up, uh, we responded to his mood state, and he was started on a medicine that is approved for treatment of mania, uh, unfortunately, that medication was not as effective for depressive phase. Okay. So not all uh, second-generation antipsychotics that ha- have efficacy for mania. Have but OFC is. OFC-fluoxetine combination is effective for both uh, uh, for maintenance and for bipolar depression. Uh, there, there are also some really encouraging data uh, with catiapine uh, and... Uh, a couple of studies, robust effect, one to two weeks that the patients are already feeling much better. So you can reassure uh, Malcolm, both lansapine, fluoxetine, and uh, catiapine 
uh, can can help both with maintenance and with his depression. So we, we can maybe consider uh, going to one of those agents. There are some other options, however. Now, these, uh, this, this uh, Calabrese and Thay's guy, they, did they have, I know Malcolm is one, but I've got some twos in my practice. Did, um, did they put bipolar twos in this, in this study? Uh, yes, with, in catiapine studies, they actually had bipolar type twos as well, okay, cool. but not in the lanzapine flux. That was interesting, because most of the ones I, that you sent me had to do with, with bipolar one. And then, this is an extended release of the quetiapine? That is an extended release formulation. And it works for depression as well? And it works for depression uh, quite well. The, the Madras, that's a depression scale, right? Mad- Montgomery Oscar depression rating scale, yes, is, is used to measure depression. Okay. Now, lorazidone, I haven't used much of that one yet, but that's, that's helpful for bipolar depression. You know, it is helpful for, for bipolar, and in terms of uh, metabolics and weight gain, uh, it looks uh, relatively advantageous. Uh, however, uh, they do not have that on mania and on maintenance. The last time I saw Malcolm, he was complaining of increased appetite, so it would be interesting to see him next time what that, what that looks like. This is this is a new one. This okay. agent was just approved for bipolar mania this spring. So this is a brand new medicine. Okay. And uh, it seems to be about as efficacious as other medications in treatment of bipolar disorder. Uh, there is some promise that it may uh, also have a relatively favorable cardiometabolic profile. Okay. Un- unfortunately, this one's branded. And I, I don't know, what's Malcolm's uh, insurance situation? You know, it's tough right now because he lost his job, but he's in that between point where he's lost his job so he doesn't have private insurance, but he's not poor enough yet to get qualified for Medicaid, so um, it's a problem. I, I think since you're seeing him now, you have some idea of what may be uh, good options for him. Okay. All right. And then, um, you know, we talked about the increased appetite, and I've heard some of these uh, these atypicals can be problematic with respect to metabolic syndrome. You expressed that to me last time we talked, and so yeah. um, a little worried about that as well. And then, uh, but uh, you know, in school they talked about antipsychotics and, and tardive dyskinesia. Is that common? Um, do you see a lot of EPS, or is it mostly the metabolic stuff to worry about? Or you know, you know with second generation agents, especially a couple of medicines that we have mentioned. Uh, as you can see, I think you're looking at my slides, uh, you see that they're also associated with significant risk of, of weight gain and, and uh, um, dyslipidemias. Uh, when it comes to extrapyramidal uh, symptoms and, and uh, movement disorders, these second-generation agents are a little bit uh, better tolerated than first-generation agents. So it, uh, I hate to say it, Clay, but, but it's a trade-off. A trade-off. Okay, so sometimes weight gain... Sometimes EPS. Yeah. And, and Tardive, you know, uh, please uh, uh, keep an eye on it. Uh, any signs, chewing motions, uh, uh, facial changes. Uh, I need, so I need so to call, I need to call you on those right away. Follow, follow those because uh, having a mood disorder, uh, being on antipsychotics, he's a little bit higher risk than patients with schizophrenia. Okay, okay. Well, really, I, I thanks a lot. Um, I'm... I'm going to um, see him back, and, uh, and we'll, we'll see how things are going, okay? I'll, I'm going to talk to you in two weeks. Th- thank you have for a, the Have update. a good vacation. I'll, thank I'll, you. I'll see you thank when you get back. You. Thank you, Clay. We'll talk later. Bye-bye. So um, Malcolm agreed to go to monotherapy with an atypical antipsychotic. Um, the depression got better. Um, we, we were able to, 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 to have some improvement there. But unfortunately, he gained a, a lot of weight, and he began to have impaired glucose tolerance. Um, he stopped the antipsychotic on his own, um, and unfortunately, 
he just rebounded right back into mania. Had to go back and see Vlad for that. Um, he stabilized on an oral atypical. Um, fortunately, unfortunately, he drifted down into Social Security uh, and Medicare. So he was able to qualify for med coverage and for therapy. So we're able to actually unlock the psychosocial, spiritual side of things uh, rather than just the pharmacologic, biologic side of things through his drifting downward. So unfortunately, he was in that middle group of people, the sort of working versus underworking poor who, who really lack benefits. But now he has benefits because his life sucks. Um, he, he's um, seeing a therapist for AUD, and uh, he's got that history of, of non-adherence. So, um, ooh, I saw, I saw your BMI, yeah. and now I see it's not the skill. I feel like I got a tire. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not an R14. I'll tell you that. Um, man, uh, I see why you stopped the medicine. Yeah. Um, I want to say this in the right way. Um. If our medicine does something bad to you, that's bad, and I'm sorry, but it's best if you call me and tell me so we can manage it. We could have probably switched to something, but with you going off the medicine abruptly, that causes problems, right? Uh, you well, you know, I, I saw your buddy Dr. M again. This is not yeah. me yelling at you about stopping the medicine. This is me saying I've got a better chance to do a better job for you if you let me know what's going on. Yeah. I'm, I'm really better in real time than I am, like, I have no time machine, so it's, it's hard for me to go back and make things better, yeah, so. I understand. But, well, okay, so you, you saw him? And, I saw him, yeah. Well, so, you know, I, you know, it's a strange thing. I, I pretty much lost everything in my life that I once had and valued, but I, I don't know. I, I, you know. I've been seeing this therapist for a month, and uh, he, he's a... He's a good guy, and he'd been through, you know, he, he'd been through some stuff with drugs and alcohol, and, you know, so I, I think, you know, I actually have started going to AA. Okay. Um, not every day. Um, I, I had a relapse, uh, not last weekend, the weekend before, but, but I, you know, and, and I, I don't know, you know, it's hard. I have a hard time. You're, you're, you're 15, 16 days in now. Yep, Sober. yep, and, you know. You're going to meetings. Yeah, I'll keep trying. It, I don't know. It, I don't know. How to, I don't know how to tell it to you. It, it looks different to me than it does to you. You know, um, I, I, you know, I keep going in and out of the hospital, and I've had this problem. And, and uh, you know, I hear you guys saying stuff to me, and I, I try to see it that way. It's, 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 it's difficult for me. I just, you know, but, but one thing the therapist has done is, is he's, I don't know. What can we do? There must be something that can, you know, make things better than they are. All right. Look, remember we talked about the shots last time. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to talk with Dr. M about that. But the thing, look, I wish everything had gone swimmingly for you. I wish we'd got it right from the beginning. Yeah. I wish that we had a magic bullet medicine that doesn't increase your appetite. I wish that, I wish you took your medicine all the time every day. Um, I, I, you wish our medicines were better. I wish your life was better. I, I wish that you never relapsed from alcohol. But I'm, I'm sorry that you've lost your job. I'm sorry you lost Susie, but I'm glad you got the therapist. This is a, this is a serious situation. I mean, 
the scary thing is we almost lost your life yeah. multiple times. But I want to say something seriously. Like, one of the things I respect about you, because you screw up a lot, okay? I, I don't know if you... I don't know if you noticed that. You have. Yeah. yeah. But you keep coming back. And yeah, you, keep, I, you keep wanting to get better. And you know what I've learned, Malcolm, through the years? If patients want to get better, I'm not dumb enough to keep them sick. But if they don't want to get better, I'm not smart enough to get them well. Yeah. But I know, well that, I know that you believe in me. And I know that you believe in Dr. M. And we care about you, too. And if we keep working together, this is going to get better. All right. All right. I, yeah. No, I, I, it's a funny thing, man. I don't know. I guess when you get to the bottom of the well, you know, there's, you start looking up a little bit, maybe. It, we're going to get through this. Okay. We're, we're going to get through this. We're going to get together. I'm going to talk with him about it, um, and we'll see. We'll see if he's got, I mean, he's always got one more trick up his sleeve. All right. So, yeah. um, do you feel okay with a three week appointment this time? Well, I don't know. I mean, if, if you talk to him, and there's something we and can do. And he's got something? Yeah, ask. I don't know. I, I was talking to, you know, I, 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 uh, when I was homeless, I, I met people that were on the shots, you know, and, and uh, I don't know. Mixed bag. But, yeah, three weeks, okay. Okay. If you have a problem, you're going to call me. All if right. I have a solution, I'm going to call you, Good. and we're going to pull you in earlier. All okay? Right. Thank you, Doc. All right. Vlad. Hi, Clay. It's Clay again. Um, hey, um, so I, I saw Malcolm. He's gained 25 pounds. Uh, and uh, so we, we need to do something. You know, he, he wasn't taking his, his medicine. And um, it, it, it looks like from that, that stuff you put on, the, on my, uh, my jump drive, it looks like that's pretty common yeah. With, yeah, with BD. so. And um, yeah. it, patients stop it when bad stuff happens, like the adverse effects. And then the, if it's too complicated, they stop it. If they don't believe in the medicine, they have poor insight. Honestly, Vlad, I don't think it's the insight now. This, this guy wants yeah. to get better, and he understands it. He's seeing the therapist. He's been doing that for about a month. He's yeah. cut down on the alcohol. He had one relapse uh, maybe three weeks ago. But he's... Like, I feel like I've got a better chance than I've had in five years to really get him better. If we could find something that he would take every day or, or whatever. It, he said that when, for a time, he was homeless, and he, there were some people that he met that took some shots. I remember um, Haloperidol Depot uh, when I was in residency, they, they talked about. But is there anything newer, like the advantages of the new agents that, that, that maybe we can work with or something? Uh, there are clays. So uh, I, I would agree with you when it comes to Malcolm. Um, unfortunately, the medicine that we chose for him, while it was effective, uh, may have blunt, blunted his emotions and uh, frankly probably contributed to, to his weight gain and that led to him stopping. You know, the other thing is that we both of us need to keep on hammering about substance abuse because when he was last in my office, uh, we had that discussion, and I was pointing out that if he uses alcohol uh, and he still, you know, uh, falls off the wagon from time to time, that it's going to keep on destabilizing uh, his mood. And he says, but when I drink, I feel better. And I said, yes, but how do you feel the next day? Worse. So, so here's yeah. what he said. He said, so the problem is not that I'm drinking. The problem is that I'm stopping. 
So he was... <laughs> yeah, so so uh, I, I think he was taking it a little bit too lightly. I, Susie, I, yeah. Susie, Susie had a different perspective, yeah, I can tell you that. Yeah, we, we need to help him with those, but uh, indeed uh, there are some medicines that are available in uh, injectable form, and uh, as a matter of fact, there are two of them that are FDA approved uh, for maintenance treatment of bipolar disorder. Uh, one is uh, eripiprazole, monthly long-acting okay, injectable, okay. and the other is Risperdal. Uh, one is given every four weeks, the other one every two weeks. Uh, dosage ranges are different. Uh, with uh, eripiprazole, uh, we start at a high dose, 400 milligrams, and uh, continue with oral agents for 14 days. Okay. With the other ones, uh, uh, we are going to start 25 milligram dose, and uh, uh, oral, uh, oral agent needs to be continued for three weeks. So uh, these are a couple of options that, uh, that we can consider. One thing that we know, there is a great disadvantage in terms of long, uh, uh, long-term treatment adherence. Uh, patients tend to stay on these agents, come back for repeated administration, so uh, he'll come back. He'll come back to the office. It's just a daily thing. You, you know, he's just disorganized right now. If if I could have him at two weeks or four weeks, he would do it. He he honestly now he never misses an appointment. Well, th- th- so I feel like it, you know, is this something I can give in my office? Uh, well, you know, uh, uh, Clay, I, I think that you have a great relationship with him, and that goes long long ways. Uh, again, uh, I would uh, continue. Uh, talking about treatment adherence, but you know, also look into substance use. Now, uh, we, we will uh, look into it, but there is some evidence that some of these agents may also help with craving for substance abuse. And his big issue is his life has fallen apart. So uh, we need to look into uh, changes in function and quality of life. Uh, one thing that we have to be very careful, while long-acting injectable aripiprazole seems to be really helpful with preventing mania and mixed states, when it comes to depression, it, it does not have as pronounced effect. This really is it really concerned. Can we go back? Because that concerned me. I, I saw that, and it, it, frankly, it kind of shocked me um, because right now he's worried about the depression. Yeah. You and I are worried about his, 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 his maintenance therapy because we're worried about his adherence. Right. But if we put him on this pop pop up stuff, yes. the, problem, the problem is, you know, the depression's driving it right now. Could we actually put in, like, could we cover him with the shot for the mania and the maintenance right. and then put in something else for the, for the depression, maybe a, a, a antidepressant again, God forbid, or, or a, a, a one of those anticonvulsant mood stabilizers. Like, does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm, I'm worried about the depression. That, if this stuff that, that makes sense, Clay. Uh, and in, indeed, uh, there are, as, as you know, I remember uh, early on we talked about antidepressants, and there is a subgroup of bipolar patients who will benefit from antidepressants. But I would also not rule out one of the uh, uh, more proven mood stabilizing agents because they may uh, bring some additional protection when it comes to recurring depressive episodes. Uh, on the good side, uh, when it comes to change in weight, I know that was concern in the past. Yeah. Uh, with one of these long-acting injectables, folks who gain weight are the folks who are on the skinnier side to start with, so uh, who have normal weight. Since if, he's a little overweight, he's unlikely to gain uh, weight, is what uh, you're saying. As a matter of fact, patients from placebo were gaining more than on, on injectable if they had that slightly overweight 
or or a B status. Uh, uh, they actually did pretty well. We're, well we're in, in the, the mid south. Placebo is Twinkies. And the unfortunate uh, part is that the other agent that is approved for maintenance. Uh, it doesn't seem to have much better track record. So, yeah, this stuff pressure. was no better than the air papa for the, the air purposeful. No, yeah, yeah, no, no. On in depression. To, so when if we use the, one of these injectables, we may need to be really watching for depression yourself. We need to be, be, be really watchful for depression. Um, uh, the other thing is uh, with uh, long-acting uh, injectable risperidone, we also have to be concerned about weight. Although it is really good for suppressing agitation and irritability. So, I, was, I was encouraged by this in terms of the percentage of the, of the adverse events. Indeed. This looked pretty low. Everything was below 10%. Except, some, except some, are, some are better than, than placebo, but weight is still something that we have to uh, look into it. And I know that there, there's a concern about him getting rehospitalized. So with aripiprazole, with the first one, they're actually pretty good data compared to some other antipsychotics that yeah. may reduce the risk of hospitalization. So, and functioning has been an issue. So that, uh, there are now functional data suggesting that injectables may be better at improving functioning. So he's, he's, he's working toward getting a part-time job back. He's got some prospects. He's got the therapist. He's going to AA meetings. So he's getting out. He's meeting some new people that are not associated with an alcoholic drink, which is awesome. Um, we can keep them out of the hospital with the injectable, it looks like. That, that, that might work. But we got to watch out for the depression, and we might have them get some. This sounds pretty good, Vlad, honestly. And, you know, in, in terms of you mentioned adding a, a mood stabilizer, there's some surprising data. This comes from a researcher from Australia, Michael Burke. Um, uh, Catiapine uh, has very strong reputation when it comes to preventing bipolar depression. Okay. Lithium, not a stellar rep uh, reputation, but in this long-term comparison, it seems that lithium was uh, more effective in preventing future hypomania and mania. Not a surprise, but also depressive episodes. And then when it came to functioning, it was advantageous. So lithium may be also a concern for Malcolm. What do you I think. Well, it, it may, it may be. My old program director, Sloan Manning, was a lithium lover. But I, I talked to Malcolm's mother took lithium one time and it made her shake, and she had some thyroid problems. Oh. And he just has an aversion. He, he told me one time, "I will never go on lithium, no matter what." It's it's unfortunate because it looks like this might be a, a, a decent agent for him, but. Uh, I think we better think about the, the other, like the anticonvulsant mood stabilizers you talked yeah, about. Yeah, and it, when, it, when it comes to anticonvulsant, uh, it may provide additional benefit as far as substance abuse. That's something that Malcolm Hub is struggling with. And in a long-term uh, comparison, well, Valprate was used for maintenance and bipolar disorder. It cut down considerably on these so-called uh, heavy d drinking days. For women, it's more than four drinks a day. For males, it's five, more than five uh, drinks a, a day. So uh, a Valprate may be a, 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 cons a, a, so, a consideration uh, with Malcolm. So if we were going to throw something in on top of the long-acting yeah. antipsychotic uh, injectable, Indeed. the LAI, yes. you know, he, he, he refuses lithium for personal family reasons. Right. But the Valproate, I could tell him, you know, if he doesn't gain weight on it, then yes. it might be okay. It might actually help him with his struggle weight with alcoholism. A, weight is an issue, and then in terms of uh, preventing depression, we still need to be watchful. Got to be uh, watchful. Okay. The long-acting injectable that we were considering uh, uh, also has uh, pretty good data on cutting down on craving. As a matter of fact, craving was cut down about 30 percent uh, compared to another uh, injectable agent. 
and quality of life was uh, uh, improved 20 to 25 percent co compared to other injectables. So um, th there are other things that might come uh, in package with uh, long-acting injectable may agents. But you know, on the other hand, uh, I've seen from your notes that he now has insurance. So I think it's really a good idea to encourage some individual therapy to support he's, him. He's got the therapist. He's got the therapist. Yeah. You know, group therapy. He he is doing the AA thing. Um, he and Susie are not talking right now. That's not in the whole family thing is a, is a mish right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But he's, he's got the AA, you know, I'm, I'm working on this. I've talked to him about some exercise and stuff like that. Hey, somebody told me exercise might activate bipolar people. It was great in major depression, but what about, what about exercise and bipolar? Are we safe as long as he's not showing in mixed we, symptoms? We are so long as, uh, Exercise is not excessive, and in that case, the problem is not exercise. The problem is it may be manifestation of hypomania or mania. So if he's if he's working out 15 hours a day, I got yeah. If he he is uh, yeah, if he is working out, if he is you know tearing his ligaments, uh, watch out. It may be actually a manifestation of gotcha. mania. So then it's concerning. But otherwise, exercise is is really a good thing for him. So um, we're going to do the long-acting injectable. He's, he's already agreed to it, so I, I think the, the risperidone or the or aripiprazole, I, I think we'll talk about it. But I was intrigued by the aripiprazole with the, 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 the substance use disorder um, data. And then we're going to think about the valproate. But it, what about the heresy? What about, um, you know, what about an antidepressant? Now, you told me my big mistake was I didn't know he had bipolar disorder. Well, we know that. And I didn't have on a foundational mood stabilizer. If we inject him, he's got that. Yep. It, it, you know, I, I if, it, if I stay away from an SNRI, what about a reintroduction I, of I a, think of it actually may be a very reasonable uh, addition. You know, a couple of other things that uh, if you can uh, somehow convince Malcolm that he needs to lead a little bit more regimented life. Gotcha. Uh, because it, it, it's been established that if people can stay on schedule, wake up on approximately the same time, go to sleep approximately, exercise at approximately the same time, have a good meal schedule, that actually adds as much benefit as adding another medicine. Gotcha. So that is something that can be done. Uh, the other thing is uh, uh, just continuously remind him to stay on medicine, especially if he's now an oral agent where complicating uh, his regimen. It is really important that he, he sticks to the plan uh, and, and try to keep stress down as much as he can in his life. Well, uh, I'm, I'm going to see him and uh, he's scheduled in two weeks, but I, I think we can, uh, I, I think we can uh, engage this uh, this long acting thing, and uh, I, he told me he's ready for that. So, yeah. um, if 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 you can have the rep come down and, and uh, talk to us about how the injection goes and all that, and absolutely, um, you know, we're we're comfortable giving shots. So, uh, we're going to get it ordered from the pharmacy. His insurance uh, should pay for it. I yeah. may need some help from your nurse on prior auth, but uh, yeah, um, run it by him. And if he's interested, we have a uh, uh, day hospital here, so we, we can get. Uh, injections done at this site. Uh, cool. Just, just see how he feels about it. Well, and, and I, I'm, I'm going to see him back. And then once he's, maybe once he's had a, a couple of doses um, of, of, the, of the, the stuff, then we, uh, we talk about maybe, maybe an antidepressant. Hey, Vlad, so, thanks, man. You're, you, you, you're a lifesaver. And I, uh, 
keep sending the cardiovascular guys. I'm, I'm enjoying taking care of them. They're interesting patients, and I actually feel like I'm helping you instead of just being a one-sided deal. So no, thanks. no, no. You're helping me a lot, Clay, and, and, and good luck uh, with Malcolm. I really appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. I got um, – I, I talked with Dr. M. Okay. We really got a plan, man. And, and uh, this has been a cock-up with you for a long time. But a couple of things have changed. We know your diagnosis now. We've nailed it. Okay. Would have been great if we would have known from the very beginning. If you if you'd have come in with an ICD code on your head, you know, a barcode we could scan. But yeah. Star Trek's not here. We just do medicine, right? That's why they call it practice. Right. Um, but I've developed a great relationship with him. You know the people at the, state, uh, at, at the, the, uh, the referral hospital. You've got a therapist now. You're way, way more savvy with your illness now than you were before. You're in AA. You're, you're working on yeah, six. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm 25 days. So. I mean, hey. Yeah, I mean. We're going to go to a new unit. You're going to be months now in just a few more days. And, and I know more about you. You know more about me. Dr. M, we got this little triangle of, of good therapy for you. Um, and he told me the shot is a go. All right. He really recommends it. All right. A couple of things that I didn't know. Uh, the shot actually may reduce, the one we're going to choose may reduce your cravings for alcohol and other substances. Well, that would be very helpful. It's, it's yeah. not instant willpower, okay? But it may help. Okay. Right. So if we can tip you towards success, that's awesome. Okay. One of the things I'm concerned about is that the shot doesn't cover the depression side as well as it does the top end of the disease, the, the, uh, the mania stuff, okay? You know those, uh, those episodes, whatever they are, they, they, uh, they're short and sweet, man. The depression just kicks my butt. We're going to work on it. After so week after week. Remember, this whole circus started when I gave you an antidepressant without the injectable. Yeah, I'm without, a little scared. Without, listen, I'm a little so scared about that. Let me get the injectable in. All right. Okay. Then we're going to look at the depression, okay? All right, all right. The injectable is not shown to do as much weight gain as some right. of the other stuff you've been on. So we're going, to get the, we're going to get the tire from an R21 down to an R14 and then off. Good. And it's okay for you to exercise. You asked me about that. That's fine. I just don't want you going berserk on me. All right. Like if you find you're at the gym at 3 a.m., you need to call. Okay. That's the problem, all right? So just no more than, than 45 minutes a day. Okay. Um, but, but we'll do that. And so I'm going to get you set up with a shot in about right. two. And it's going to take me about three or four days to get it. And then you're going to get the shot. You're going to see me about two weeks after that. We'll see how things are going. All right? Good. All right. Hey. Thank you, Doc. I, I appreciate it. It's going to be okay, man. We're going to get there. Long journey, but we're going to get there, okay? Okay. All right. So that's Malcolm. And that's how he did. Um, Bipolar disease is frequently misdiagnosed. The only way to not misdiagnose bipolar disorder is don't treat mental health patients. I used to think that was a joke, but it's true. And after doing scores of national lectures, international lectures on bipolar disorder, I still miss it. I screen patients frequently. I ask them the questions. I look for it and I still miss it. There's a Malcolm in all of our past, if we're honest, but there doesn't have to be a Malcolm in your future. You can do better care, um, but remember that you're human. There's no scale or screener on earth that takes the place of a good clinical 
evaluation by an experienced practitioner. Now, if they're depression, remember depression is not depression. It's either unipolar or it's bipolar, so look. Bipolar disorder is frequently associated with lots of psychiatric comorbidities. Yes, it's a confusing chameleon. It looks like ADD, ADHD when they're impulsive and they're hyperactive. It looks like depression when they're in depression stage. It can look like schizophrenia when they're psychotic. Um, it can look like anxiety or GAD when they're anxious. So you have to be aware that sort of like lupus is the great imitator in medicine, in psychiatric medicine, bipolar disorder can be a great imitator. Lots of medical comorbidities. Vlad told us it's not just the meds that are a problem. The disease itself tends to be pro-inflammatory and set people up for the metabolic syndrome at all. Antidepressants are of unclear value. They do work for some patients, but remember, they need to be on a foundational mood stabilizer before you pull that antidepressant uh, out of the box and give it uh, to the patient. It can increase the risk of mania. The TCAs and the SNRIs tend to be worse than the SSRIs. Bupropion seems to have the best data, so it's kind of the softer, gentler one if you're going to use it. Uh, so I would advise sticking to SSRIs and uh, bupropion, and I would advise sticking to bipolar two patients. If you're going to get in bipolar one or use SNRIs, extreme, extreme caution because the data for benefit are just not that strong. Depressive and manic episodes really are bad. Mania gets all the press, and that's what we pay attention to, but depression drives a lion's share of the symptomatology and the functional impairment in patients and the risk of relapse. Bipolar depression is best treated with one of several atypical antipsychotics, and the long-acting ones uh, can be helpful in terms of if you have an adherence issue, as we did with Malcolm. And then we talked about some intriguing data around substance use disorder and how certain of the agents, such as valparate or LAI uh, formulations of, of atypical antipsychotics, may reduce cravings in SUD and AUD patients. It's not just pharmacology, because people aren't just receptors. Multiple therapeutic psychoed pharmacologic strategies can enhance adherence and therapy to improve long-term outcomes in patients with BD. Patients don't believe in clinicians because of medicine. They believe in medicine because of clinicians. You are more than a pharmacologic dispenser. You are a therapeutic agent in your own right. Malcolm's going to stick to this therapy because of Vlad and because of me. He's going to get better because of chemistry, but he's also going to get better because of humanity, and you can do that. We're going to thank you for your kind attention, and we'll get to the post questions.